Welcome to the Living in the Yum podcast. I'm your host, Emma Garrison, founder of The Body Solution, entrepreneur, mindset coach, NLP master practitioner, and lover of lifelong learning. Each week, the Living in the Yum series brings innovative, thought-provoking, and actionable content to help you to gain clarity, alignment, and connection with your soul and body. It's time to take action, to take an authentic stand for yourself, and unapologetically live more into the yum every single day. Are you ready? Here we go. All right. Well, welcome back to another week of Living in the Yum podcast this week. I'm so excited to bring on a friend of mine, Sanyika, the fire starter himself, who is a coach, speaker, storyteller, creator of the Empire Method, and just a yummy as hell soul. So I'm so excited to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You look great. I love love the hat, by the way. Thank you. Spice it up. It's my dirty hair secret um, to just put a hat on. (laughs) God, I don't have a dirty hair (laughs) secret. It's just kind of what it is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so obviously, coach, speaker, storyteller, I've listened to you personally go off and it's so amazing and yummy. And when I say go off, I mean when you're, um, what's the term I'm looking for? uh fill in the blank for me like when you did your amazing bit at uh the mastermind day mm. oh yeah uh like uh the the, sp- the spoken word and that yes, kind of thing. spoken yeah. word thank you thank mm-hmm. you that's such a bomb ass gift to give to the world like the way in which that the words just flow out of you and how intentional and like soul hitting they are is so amazing. I loved that so much getting to witness that, that in person. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. That was really, uh, that was really, I'm, I'm always, <laughs> here's a really interesting thing. Um, is that, you know, I, I, the, I guess the, the modality of it, I call it spoken word, but it's just, it's just the way that I tell stories, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's the way that I use my gift, right? We all have gifts. Um, it's the way that I use one of my gifts. Um, another one of my gifts is, uh, is cooking as well. Um, Ooh. yeah, I get down and cooking and all that other kind of stuff, you know, cooking. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and the other gift is like chasing the dogs around when they like got something in their mouth that they shouldn't have, but that's another, that's another gift. Oh my gosh. But, yeah. <laughs> but the, but I use this, this spoken word as a storytelling component, you know, that, I think the through line for everything that I do, um, you know, whether it is coaching or storytelling from a stage, like doing a keynote, that kind of thing, is is helping people to transform their story, mm. right? Um, from one of you know of you know hopelessness, one of I can't or I don't have the resources or the capacity to be able to do something to a story that empowers and that helps you to transform to where you really want to be. And, and story was really what helped me to transform in my journey in life too. So, um, you know, I, you know, like I tell people the ethos of the fire starter is that one of the first human uh, innovations was the discovery of controlled fire. So, um, so one of the, the, the very first leaders of our time, like the shamans and the elders and the tribal leaders and all those other people, you know, they were fire starters. Right. And, and the thing that they did is they brought us around the fire 
so that they started the fire, they brought us around the fire so that we could connect and commune and collaborate and so that we could actually build the life that we wanted to build. And that's what my, I feel like is my responsibility as a fire starter. And I consider you to be one as well. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. I am taking that in. That's an mm. honor to hear. So thanks. Indeed. Um, yeah. So you hit on this a baby bit, but can you tell us just more about who you are, what you do, how you got here, like what your journey has looked like, just to give some context into who you be? For sure. Absolutely. Um, first of all, th thanks for bringing me around the fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I am, <laughs> people call me saying Yika the fire star, right? So, um, and I am a coach. I am a, oh, you got your water bottle? So I got mine too. Cheers. <laughs> right, cheers. Our big, our big gallon water bottles. We can our, talk more about the empire method later. I'm not sure. fully in it, but this is one component of having my gallon of water that I am committing to. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Um, so um, I am a coach, I am a speaker, I'm a storyteller, I am uh, the creator and founder of the Empire Method, and, um, and that, which is a lifestyle transformation program um, to help you to, 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 to go from living a life by default to living a life that you design, like living more an intentional life. So and that program encompasses fitness, nutrition, and personal development all in one. So. Um, you know, it's like going to Tony Robbins seminar and getting the physical result. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And I, and I, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that, um, is that I realized that I was living a very unintentional life up until like you know, maybe two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, very much living by the, um, the idea of what it meant to be a man, the idea of what it meant to be a human, the idea, intellectual thought processes, right? You know, people go, oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I intellectually know that it's in my brain, right? But it's not in here. Yeah, uh, I tell people I'm like, you know, um, even though your brain and your 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 head and your body are connected, um, that even though your you know your head and your body are connected, um, you know that that they're, they're actually not really connected. Mm -hmm. uh, you can live in an intellectual thought for your entire existence on this planet, and your body won't know the fuck difference yeah like it won't know the difference like it you your your body will not move like i can intellectually think hey i want to go um i want to go try this adventure i want to go um you know go, i want to take a day and go to the beach and your body will never do it mm -hmm. right because we forget like the connection point between our head and our body is not our neck it's our heart like you have to be able to feel your way into your life yeah. and i was i was blocking myself off from feeling my way into my life um, I had not gone through the process of uncovering childhood traumas, right? I had not gone through the process of realizing my own intellectual blocks, right? Like the things that were into, like I thought I intellectually knew, but that I really, really didn't physically know, right? Yeah. And, and deeply held beliefs, right? Deeply held limiting beliefs, thinking that I had like, you know, um, in my own, uh, you know, weight loss journey, like trying, you know, that I tried everything or that I knew everything or that all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I think, I think the thing that my, my word for 2019 was surrender. Mm -hmm. right? And I got up to that point. Cause just to give you a real quick snapshot, 14 years ago, I moved to LA from Washington, DC. 
Um, I, you know, I, I, I was acting. I did a bunch of TV shows and national commercials. Um, I was, you know, I, my first couple of years out here, I, I did more, um, more TV and, and network stuff than a lot of people I knew who had been out here for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then um, acting slowed down and I took it for granted. And then I got into what I really wanted to do, which is songwriting. Uh, I started, I got signed to a label on Universal Music Group. I started writing for artists. My, my two biggest songs were uh, writing for Too Short and writing for Nick Lachey and 98 Degrees. Hell yeah. And, um, and so I was like rocking and rolling, <laughs> right? I'm rocking and rolling. I'm doing my thing and everything like that. But the thing I realized about being a songwriter is that to be a good writer, like I tell everybody, I'm a writer. I'm just a writer trapped in the body of an NFL lineman. <laughs> right? So I'm 6'8". Right now, I weigh about 250 pounds, but I was 290. But I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but the idea is that um, is that you have to get human qualities like you know being transparent, being vulnerable, like knowing how to collaborate, and those were skills that I did not have, and we forget that those are actually skills. Yeah. Right. I didn't realize I didn't know how to collaborate. I didn't realize I didn't know how to be vulnerable and transparent. I didn't know none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went to a depression. I was broke. I'm broken two DUIs, you know, like the whole nine girlfriends paying the bills, like the whole shebang. Lowest point of my life is I start working at this job, not making nothing, right? I'm making nothing, like $11 an hour. Owner of the company comes up to me one day. He says, Sanyika, he says, I want you to change your first. I don't, I want you to stop using your first name because it confuses clients. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm already, I'm in a rock bottom sandwich right so i'm at rock bottom i'm standing on rock bottom and then rock bottom hits my rock bottom so now i'm like it's like an oreo cookie and i'm in the middle you know (laughs) so i'm doing this whole thing and i'm like man like this is wild this is wild. like has this is this what my life has come to i went from doing national commercials and tv shows to literally being like at the bottom of nothing hiding in life and um, and that was the moment I realized I needed to get myself out of the place that I was at. And um, and it's really transitioned into to what I'm doing now. And, you know, I got in community. I got involved in a, a really phenomenal community of accountable guys and entrepreneurs and seeing my, you know, Les Brown has this quote. He says, um, he says, uh, um, sometimes you need to believe in somebody else's belief in you until your belief is strong enough to kick in. Right? Hell yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I and I realized that I I had lost belief in myself. Mm-hmm. And so I and so by virtue of joining this community of entrepreneurs, I got an opportunity to see my reflection in the eyes of other people who believed in me, you yeah. know, and then it started to lift me up. I got into speaking and then from speaking, I got into realizing that I I, I was trapped in identity still, but I was still aware, moving into a state of awareness. And we can talk about identities, but the idea was that I got into these identities and, and kind of stuck in these identities. And then once I started to break away from identities, I started to realize that that the thing that I really wanted to do was the thing that I always wanted to do from when I was a kid waking up at five o'clock in the morning watching Tony Robbins infomercials. <laughs> I wanted to figure out how I could use myself as a vehicle to help people transform their lives. And that's what's brought me to today. Well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, mm, there were so many things I was like jotting down notes as you were talking because you hit on so many little nuggets that I think are often overlooked. One of which, and I'll speak for myself here, is like the intellect game that you were talking about. Mm. Um, I am a master practitioner in neurolinguistic programming. Mm. And that was the most beautiful place for my 
little wounded ego self to be kind of because <laughs> I could I could talk and intellectually um, digest anything and everything that came up, including some of my darkest traumas. And yet I didn't have the physical vessel experience of moving through them. Mm. And I think like that intellectual place being so wrapped up in your brain for me it was my ego trying to keep me safe like it's a really safe place to be if you can just jibber jabber about it and like leave it at that Mm -hmm. and um my coach has witnessed this a lot with me in um I can I can talk about my deepest anything and just speak just like this like it's no big deal and Mm -hmm. like you can't even experience um like my emotional side of it, because I, for so long, just suppressed that down and using the heady space. Yeah. Using the heady space, the intellect is the most beautiful way to do that because Mm -hmm. you can speak about it. Like you've digested and like, you know, what's up and like, you've really gone there with it. And for me, the somatic stuff didn't come into play until the last year or so as well. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just been a game changer. And I think like, the intellectual and some of the labels and identity that we wrap ourselves up in, like that gets you to the commercials and doing work with um, well-known artists and all of that. And it serves us for some time. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it can crash and burn us. Like we've all experienced and kind of brings, (laughs) yeah, kind of brings like the universe comes back to give you a kick in the ass. Like "Mm, this ain't it. Like let's dig a little bit deeper. And Mm -hmm. I can so relate to, to your story and, and where you've been like that intellect game is strong. <laughs> it's good. Like it's really effective in doing what it does. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a powerful thing, but you know, Cat Williams uh, comedian has a quote. He says, you can be smarter than a dumb motherfucker. <laughs> you can be <laughs> smart as hell and stupid. <laughs> you totally. know? And that's exactly what I was. I was like as smart as hell and stupid. And I'm like, Oh, this is, and, and this, and this, and the, the ego is great at hiding it when you got a smart tongue, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm really suffering, but I can articulate well. And people are like, oh, yeah, you're good. You're good. And inside, I'm like, no, dude, I'm dying. I'm dying. And I don't know how to ask for help. Yeah. And I don't know how to articulate that I'm actually suffering. And I don't know how to, you know, um, I don't know how to, like, open up, you know, mm-hmm. in this space, you know? So that was a really... Um, and then you have these, you know, like, you know, you try in the process of I trying to identify who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm, there's the me seeking to emerge. And then there's the um, the perception of me that I've lived in. Oh, amen. Or, or what you think, what you think others perceive you as or what you think society tells you you should be and like wrapping all your shit up in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so for me, so yes, absolutely. I was wrapped up in that perception. I go, man, perception of me. And then I go, who is, who am I really? And then the thing that that I realized to get to that identity is that I have to get comfortable um, in a state of surrender. And what I mean by surrender is, um, is, is surrender is, uh, is not, uh, so to speak, waving a white flag or even taking a knee. Uh, I see surrender as a process of getting down to zero, right? 
being open and available to nothingness in, an, in, in, in aspects of your life so that you can incorporate the things that are the most important. Because all of those preconceived notions, we have to be able to get rid of them to remove them. It's a process of removal. Like surrender is like, I need to get rid of all this stuff that doesn't serve me so I can so I can have an empty slate. So then I can start piecing myself back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um I like to use this analogy and I don't know if this lands, but the idea I see it in my head as like you're on a hiking trail and the all of the sagebrush and Utah, there's a lot of sagebrush and I'm sure there's sagebrush here too, but that's where my sure. head is when I'm visualizing this. Mm-hmm. There's like all of this sagebrush covering the trail. And so you can't really see the path because of that. And so you're kind of bushwhacking through these things and just doing like hitting them on your legs and getting kind of scrapes and stuff because you have to, because they're there. Mm-hmm. And like all along, there's this misnotion of, no, you can also remove those and helping people. This is how I perceive myself as a coach is helping people bushwhack and figure out what do you carve away so that you can see what was there all along. Like it's always there. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, like you said, coming back to center, coming to ground zero, really consciously saying, okay, I'm seeing all of these things flying around me, whether that's like the shoulds that I'm putting on myself or my parents put on myself or society puts on myself the like external validation component, the OA, you know, professional person wouldn't do X, Y, Z, the identity portion. Like there's all of this sagebrush in the way of our path. And like, we just get to clear the shit out of it and do so uh, like very aware and consciously, like when you were talking about changing your life from default to design of, do I want all of these sagebrushes removed or do I want to mm. keep some of them and how do I want to navigate that? And I think that's such a beautiful thing to just pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. The sagebrushes <laughs> <laughs> as I look at sage against the wall and yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, in, in, in living a life that you design, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's powerful. And I, I just never realized how much I was living by default. Mm-hmm. I was living by default in every aspect of my life, I mean, even in, in relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. The default was like, oh, well, you know, you, you find a woman and, you know, you're, you're together and then eventually y'all are in a relationship. Right. I never realized that, that there was an, that I could make an active choice in in trying to cultivate a more positive relationship by learning about um, the difference between the feminine and the masculine. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't understand how that could possibly positively improve my relationship. I didn't understand that I could live a life where. I was um, actively choosing relationships, cultivating relationships, mm-hmm. right? And and actually, and the power that relationships have in your life to be able to create the things that you want. People just see relationships as relationships. I'm like, if you're trying to make money and you don't have relationships and you're isolated like I was and you're you know uh, incubating your own ideas like I was and you're living in intellectual thought like we were and then mm-hmm. you're like and you're trying to figure out why you're not creating more money if you don't have relationships I'm like it's there <laughs> right <laughs> it's there so uh, so the, the, the so the, the, the when I started getting to design meaning like I can choose I think you put it perfectly I can choose to add these things into my life Mm-hmm. I can choose to incorporate these things and I can I can make choices that put me into a better state of my life. Like you can literally transform your life in an instant. Yeah. Once you start to make those choices. 
super powerful stuff. So powerful. And I think one thing that I would add to that too, I'm just coming off of a, a trip to Minnesota with, with the consulting work that I do uh, for corporations. And we help organizations to get more aligned on a strategic front with vision, values, mission, culture as they continue to grow. And I've, I've always labeled like my coaching and consulting world very different because I put the assumption out that corporate is not the place to talk about belief patterns and to talk about like you have choice in everything. Like I've created this big story around that and this specific client are not in an ideal financial situation and they are owned by an investor company and everybody on the executive team of the client that we work with is very much in, I have no control because the investors tell me X, Y, Z. And so we went deep into this context around, um, which was so yummy for me to bring this into the corporate world. And I was like, oh, damn, I've set that boundary up for myself. It's like all an illusion. Mm. Humans are humans are humans. So what are we doing? Separating coaching and consulting. Anyways, that's a, that's a whole other, other deal. But coming back to this idea around like your beliefs, your thoughts, the shit that you've got going on in your head, that can change your experience without the circumstance changing. Mm-hmm. And that's where the magic and the yum happens is once you realize like, oh damn, like I might be broke right now and I'm like smashed in the Oreo of rock bottom and I'm the only one who has, like I'm the only person who can change that for me. Mm-hmm. You couldn't dump $10 million and then have a different experience, you know, five years later. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just got off a call today um, with a client and we were having a conversation about um, what I what I perceive that as is radical responsibility mm-hmm. without critical self-judgment. Amen. Here's why I say that the way that I do. So when people go, I can control my life, right? I, I am the creator of my exist, you know, of my experiences on this planet. Mm-hmm. Radical responsibilities. Like I, I, my role in creating the life and the experiences that I live. Right. If you get into a situation where your version, your perception is askew, and the way that you perceive your res- responsibility, and you see responsibility as, um, like for instance, I get into a car accident and I injure someone. Right. Someone, someone gets injured as a result mm-hmm. of this car accident. So I, I hit someone, it's a car accident. I've, and so in radical responsibility, if you go radical responsibility, I, I take on the, 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 that my responsibility in creating the accident and I injured someone and I am at fault for doing it and I'm a bad person for doing it. And, and, and so the idea is that if your radical responsibility comes with critical self-judgment, you'll never take responsibility for anything else in your life. Because mm-hmm. why would I want responsibility to produce this trauma in my life? Yeah. Why would I want, why would I want to take responsibility for something that I perceive makes me a bad person? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to repeat that cycle, you know? Yeah. So the idea is, is that can I, can can I get to an emotional space where radical responsibility just brings something up for evaluation? Yeah. It's just an opportunity for observation. So now I can just look at it without critical self-judgment, without being in a space where I go, "Oh, hmm, this is something to examine." Right. So this is something that's that's here. 
what is it? Right? What is it? And and then the ultimate thing is, is what's my objective after I analyze it? What am I trying to be as a result of the of the opportunity to analyze this thing in this space? Mm-hmm. So now if I if I can take radical responsibility without critical self-judgment to be able to look at everything that happens as an opportunity that's like it's happening for me, right? Happening through me in that space. And now I go, okay, well, what's possible? Now all of a sudden I've I'm in a process of removing the stories, right? Removing the things that have trapped me, the negative self-talk, the inner critic, all of that stuff. And now I get into the space of true opportunity, which is real a real space of transformation. So when I start to remove those stories, get rid of the critical self-judgment, and look, we're human, right? So it's coming. But the idea is how can you go from can you go from critical self-judgment to self-love in 3.5 seconds like an Audi? You know? Yeah. Like that that's the that's the that's the playground to me. And I love that you bring up uh the idea I don't think you use these words, but this is my perception in and I think for me this is the name of the game. Like data is data. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you're taking in, how can you take it in as the witness? Because mm-hmm. as opposed to like really being in your shit about it. Because mm-hmm. when you really break it down, nothing has meaning until we assign it. Absolutely. So like you're the one, not you specifically, in this hypothetical situation of the car accident, like you're the one telling yourself, this makes me a bad person. Uh-huh. And this is something that really helps me in this in this uh, thought process. And this is a little bit of NLP coming through, but okay, is that true for everybody? Uh-huh. Like if you came to me as my friend and you said, hey, I got in a car accident, I hurt somebody, I feel like a piece of shit, I can't believe that happened, how could I have done this, what was I thinking, I was so irresponsible, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. like I'm not sitting here saying, you're right, you are a shitty person, how did you do that, like, <laughs> think, you know, so it's like you you objectify and <laughs> would you say that to a child, would you teach that to a friend who came to you saying, holy shit, how did I get myself here, and the way in which we make meaning about ourselves is so much deeper and more traumatic in some sense than it is for anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was, I I was having a conversation with, I talk about this stuff all the time. So I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and we were saying, we were talking about trauma and Mm -hmm. I asked him, I said, what do you think trauma is? And he was like, Oh, it's like, you know, I said like car accident or getting stabbed or shot or something like that. And I told him, I said, the most common form of trauma is disappointment from unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. It is purely disappointment. I said, because what happens is, um, I said, you ever been, somebody ever throw a punch at you and you, and you, uh, and they throw a punch at you, they don't hit you, but you flinch, right? And you know this as, as we've gone through a very similar um, program in terms of realizing, understanding some, how our somatic nervous system stores memories. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that, is, that, um, is that our body is storing these memories from our most formative years of zero to seven, and our body is storing these memories. And then we go, and so what happens is that that you know you flinching is what your body does because of disappointment, right? So your body flinches because of disappointment. So I use the example of when you're walking down the street and you say hello to someone, and you're like, "Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going?" And then they don't respond, right? Mm-hmm. And then I see that, and then all of a sudden I think to myself and I go, "This is the way my body like I store it." I go, "You know what? Um, they're being disrespectful. They're being rude. Everything like that." So then, so next time I say. Um, you know, hello to somebody, internally, my body does this. 
Mm-hmm. Right. My body is defensively posturing itself against the world because I think that people are rude and and they don't want to talk to me. And I and I create this memory. Mm-hmm. Right. That And so that then becomes all of a sudden we train ourselves and then that becomes your default response to how you respond to everything because of that level of disappointment. It sinks into us and we don't even see it. One of the most powerful things I did recently is I actually installed a, a um, site blocker on my phone. Mm. Most powerful thing you can do. So I realized I installed a site blocker. The name of the app, Site Blocker. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I installed a site blocker on my phone. And then what happened is, is that I put in, I have top three web. What are the top three websites that you go to every day? Uh, Gmail, Facebook, YouTube, probably. Okay, got it. So top three websites I used to go to, CNN, ESPN, Huffington Post, and Facebook, you know, depending on when I was going, right? Yeah. So what I did is I said, you know what? I'm going to remove the ones that do not do not improve my life or do not make me money or help don't help me build relationships or anything like that. So CNN, ESPN, all those are on my side <laughs> block, right? And here's, here's the funny thing. It's like the lab mouse trick. When I'm experiencing an emotional response to something, I sometimes instinctually grab my phone and go to one of those websites. It's totally. so ingrained. So I'm seeing myself. And then I and then the site blocker thing comes up and is like, nope, you put this on site blocker. It's crazy. That's the default response. Yeah. So I've developed this training to that when I have an emotional response, it ends up here. So then this the same emotional response that we get when we say hello. Right. Was my response whenever I had an emotional response, I would pick up my phone or whenever I had an emotional response, I would eat or whenever I had an emotional response, I would like do these things. And I was like, oh, man, there's all this. There's all this default. And it's not it's all this living by default, but it's not necessarily your fault. Right. Ninety five percent of all thought is subconscious. Ninety five percent of all thought is subconscious, meaning that we only use 5% of our mental capacity at any given time. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the reason why is because our our brain needs the available space to respond to threats. So it puts a lot of things on program, right? So the question is, is what am I programming into my memory so that I can, so, so what's being programmed into my memory, right? So what was programmed into my memory was um, my default response in relationships, Definitely a negative re- default response when it came to money. A negative resp- re- default response is when it came to food, to any aspect of what it was. Mm-hmm. And through the process of the personal development, that's what transitioned into me and Katie getting into, um, you know, what what we now call the empire method. And then the, the cultivation of that, because it was like, we can actually make powerful choices to transition into, into a living a powerful life, you know? Yeah. And the awareness component of that is so magical. I always say the awareness creates the choice and the choice creates the freedom. Sure. And like for me, I mean, duh, saying like this coming out of my mouth after everything that you just said, but the awareness is more important than anything else because all of that shit happening on autopilot, like if you don't have your little antennas up, which By the way, just for the record, people like myself and Sanika who are in this work and are on like awareness radar all the time, uh, that doesn't make us immune to this experience of having the subconscious stuff like sneak up behind us of, oh, damn, here I am with a pint of ice cream and I, why am I doing, oh, 
right. I'm so sad. You know, like that doesn't, nobody's immune to that. It's just, right. like you were saying earlier, it's the pivot choice. How quickly can you shift from, um, woe is me. Oh, damn, here I am. Oh, what am I doing? Oh, this is a response to that. Oh, how do I choose to move forward? And doing mm-hmm. that from a place of like, for me, it's breath for center. Like mm-hmm. the second I notice myself, I grab my phone a lot too. In like, if I'm really annoyed on a work call or something, I'm mm-hmm. like, screw this, I'm out. And I hop on Instagram or whatever in very unproductive form. Same with eating. Like eating is the biggest thing for me that comes up and I'll be sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like not what my body wanted. What is this coming from? And I can track it back to the exact thing that was like the trigger point. Yeah. And, and that's not all the time. That's not, I'm not always able to do that. And when I catch it, it is a sting and a freedom all at the same time. Yeah. It's like, oh, damn, here we are again. Okay, pivot. What do I choose? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. And I think without that awareness component, it's like game over. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the pivot, I think that you put it really beautifully, is that the pivot, it's like um, I, I, being open, like um, I'm going to say something and then come back to what you're saying, because I think this is a really important part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that we're talking about is, is how you transform your life, right? Yeah. Because intellectually, we, a lot of people got it, right? We know the thing or the things, we know it, we know it, we know, we know it, right? So we're not talking about the knowingness of it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the, how do I get to the place where I know I wanna be, right? So we're talking about the radical responsibility without critical self-judgment, because if I'm judging myself harshly, I will never take responsibility because I will never want to feel that pain. Yeah. So when I think about the idea of feeling the pain and shifting that process, um, a lot of people say that the purpose in life is to be happy. Mm. Um, I disagree. I'll tell you why. Um, There are myriad different emotions in life. There's like tons of emotions. And all of them have an effectiveness component at different times. Right. There's happy, there's sad, there's joyful, there's there's pain, there's anger, there's all this. And they can be effective at times. Right. They can be super effective. Why in the world did the divine creator make it so that my ultimate optimal goal is to only feel one? Mm -hmm. Are you serious? (laughs) For real? Yeah. All of it. It's all this stuff in the world. Right. There's all these different things in the way, and I'm only supposed to feel one emotion. No. Well, no. I, I would argue too, if you can only feel one emotion, like without the contrast, you don't even know that that's an effective or ineffective emotion. Like it doesn't that's even whole, matter. That's the whole point. <laughs> you wouldn't even know. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't even know. So my thing is, is that is that I feel like our, our mission in life is actually to be fulfilled. And the way that I define that is a full range, a full range of feelings in every moment. Mm-hmm. Full feel meant like I can feel everything yeah. and be open to everything because I won't critically self-judge myself when I feel it. Yeah. 
I won't critically judge my, moving into that space, right? You don't always start out that way. But the idea is that when I feel an emotion, I can shift with it. I can be with it. So if I can be with the emotion, whatever emotion, then I can transform my life. Because now I can go, oh, I caught it, awareness, intellectual thought. I can feel the feeling of it in here. And then I can transition to the activity of what it means to really get into what it means, you know, to, 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 to get into the transformation part. Yeah. I, I think to you bring up a really beautiful point around allowing whatever you're feeling to come up and experience it and like move through it. I sure. mean, we've all heard the only way out is through. And I've always understood that on an intellectual level. Yeah. And the patterning of my upbringing was emotions come up and you deflect or you distract. And I am very uh, accustomed to suppressing anything that comes up. And the thing that, the, the reason that I bring that up is, is because of what you're talking about. And when we have emotions about our emotions, like if we're <laughs> experiencing judgment about how we're feeling, like, oh, it's not good to cry or no, it's not good, or, or like whatever story you're telling yourself, maybe as a guy, it's like, you little bitch, you shouldn't be crying or whatever story is playing in your head. Right. That's right. where suppression comes in. And that's where like all of this shit where we've learned to be on default instead right. of consciously designing and choosing what you want to create. For me, yeah. that was like the biggest thing was realizing, oh shit, I have a lot of feelings about the way that I'm feeling. And anytime I have an ineffective emotion come up, I'm judging that. And that's why yeah. it's not able to move through. I know, I know, I know this Friday. But I feel like I'm in church right now. I know it's Friday. <laughs> I know I feel it's first Sunday. I want to be a hallelujah. I want a collection plate. I want the whole damn thing. I want the whole thing. Uh. <laughs> no, this is the realest, yo. This is real stuff. Yo, I want to tell you this story about the two possums. Mm. So my girlfriend your friend and collaborator and, and up among other things, Katie, um, my girlfriend and, you know, I call her SFW, my significant other, soon to be fiance, soon to be wife. So we've, we've established that. Yeah. SFW. Yes. That's what I like to so, hear. Yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar, she is the queen maker herself. And she was on an episode a couple of months ago and we'll drop her info below too. So you can go get some of her yum also. Absolutely. Yum, yum. Um, so Katie left me with Elijah, her eight-year-old son. And I always consider Elijah to be a divine assignment. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> at the same age I ended up in Katie's life and his life was the same age that my father left my uh, my uh, family. Mm -hmm. So I'm the youngest of four. My mom still calls me the baby. I'm just bigger than everybody else. <laughs> so so uh, this is last weekend, actually. And um, and this speaks into the idea of um, of of what's possible when we when we really get into our body and start and start feeling our way through these emotions mm -hmm. because we have something greater to accomplish right something greater something greater to accomplish the objective the thing that we're looking to accomplish becomes the thing that pulls us through the um the the the, the temporary emotion right because you can get stuck in the emotion but it's like if there's a greater objective like if you're playing sports like I just broke my ankle, but I want to win the game, you know? Yeah. Like I, this, I, there's an objective that a vision that pulls us forward. I call it a powerful, inspiring vision of who you want to be and what you want to become. 
watching Elijah. She, Katie's at an event. I'm watching Elijah's, me and him. Right. So we just having a good old time hanging out. We have two dogs, Lola and Zeus. Lola is a five month old Yorkie, cute. <laughs> and Zeus is a Boston Terrier, just a menace, right? You know, just hanging out, running around, crazy, <laughs> big energy, all that kind of stuff, licking everything, everything like that. Zeus, and we have two cats as well. They don't really come inside, they play in the backyard, but occasionally one of them comes inside and sleeps with Elijah at night in his bed. So cute. Um, so Zeus plays with the cats and he barks at them when it gets dark at night because and then they run up the, uh, the wall in the back. <laughs> Um, so Zeus runs out. I mean, Elijah, I, listen, this is like me and Katie's like, Hey, look, y'all can just hang out, you know, do a boys night, whatever. And so this is like, I'm, I'm I don't have any kids. Like, so this is like my chance to like spend time with Elijah and like do my little stepdad thing. And like, you know, that whole kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm hanging out with Elijah. And then uh, as we start talking, as we're hanging out with Elijah, then, um, then we get, then what happens is that, um, uh, I hear Zeus go outside and, and barking, and I am think he's barking at the cats because he always plays with them at night. Mm -hmm. I go outside, I'm listening, I hear, keep hearing Zeus bark for me 30, 60, 90 seconds, and I'm like, that's a little long. Let me go outside and see what's going on. I go outside, it's dark, and I see a possum run into this small enclosure in between the garage and a wall. So there's like a one and a half foot walkway in between the garage and the wall. There's like a ladder and stuff over there that possum goes in there. Zeus is still there barking. And I'm like, what are you barking at? I was like, Zeus, come here. So he comes here and then I see another possum go into the same area of the, by the garage. So now it's two possums over there that I, that I see. Zeus comes in, he goes in the house. As I'm saying the thing about the possum, Elijah comes outside, right? Elijah comes outside, and then there's the two possums in the area um, but beside the house. All of a sudden, I hear hissing and, like, growling, right? Mm. So now I'm thinking to myself, are they fighting with each other in, you know, in the side of the garage? So then I'm, you know, thinking to them, like, the, the two animals or the two possums are fighting. Elijah comes out, and then, I, and then Elijah goes, um, he says, where's Lola? Oh, damn. And, I, and then I look over and I see Zeus. And Zeus is over there just chilling, doing nothing. And then I'm looking around and I don't see Lola. And so then I'm looking at Elijah and I said, I saw, and I got, and I'm talking about it. My energy changed. I say, Elijah, go inside. I said, where's Lola? He's like, I don't know. He starts crying. He stayed in it. I mean, he's like, I, he's, I was like, go inside the house and see if you can find Lola. He's like, I'm too scared. And he's frozen. Hmm. Right. So now I got two possums in between the garage, hissing and howling. And I'm not sure if Lola is in there with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Kid, they're crying. Zeus over there just doing whatever he's doing. <laughs> That's the Boston Terrier. And I'm like, oh shit. So I run over to the air, to the area between the garage, this dark area with these two possums. And I start pulling out the ladder and pulling out all the stuff. And I'm pulling out the, I'm, I'm like, I'm about to jump in there if I need to, to save this dog, because I'm not sure if the dog is in there. And I'm like, of course this happens on the one night, Katie. <laughs> What is going on, right? I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm in there being, I'm literally pulling out a ladder. I'm like, listen, I'm listening to him and hiss and everything like that. And then the neighbor comes over because he hears me like, because I'm like, 
hitting at him, trying to get him to come out because I'm still not sure if Lola's in there. Yeah. The neighbor comes over and he's like, is everything okay with a big <laughs> smile on his face? And I was like, you know, it's like, I'm trying to see if there's a dog in there. What the hell is going on? He's like, he's like, possums don't kill animals, everything like that. And I'm like, I'm looking at him and I'm still swinging at the animals. And I'm like, so then I'm like, I'm, Emma, I'm telling you, I'm inches away from going in between there because I'm not sure if Lola's in there. I'm like, I'm about to destroy these animals. Yeah. Then I'm like, all right, use your head. I mean, this is happening. This is like the world is slowed down. Time is slowed down. Then I go back in the house. I was like, I need to see Elijah's still there, like frozen, mm-hmm. right? Frozen. And he he can, you know, he he's going through a, a somatic response. He can't, he's, you know, his his response in that moment is freeze. Yeah. I, then I run past him. He runs in the house. I go into the house, and then Lola comes running out of the room. Mm. She comes running out the room. And you're like, I'm so, gonna kill you. All right, I'm gonna kill you, exactly. <laughs> so then I, I go back over. I'm like, goodness gracious! I get Zeus in the house. I get both of the dogs in the house. I close the doggy door, make sure they're good, and then I go over to make sure the possums didn't come back out. And then I say thank you to the neighbor and everything like that. And then I'm looking at the devastation of the ladder and all the stuff I pulled out of there. <laughs> and um, and then I realized something when I was thinking about it. Um, I realized how Elijah was the f- <laughs> divine assignment, right? Mm. Um, how Elijah is the physical representation of every time I was afraid to move through the fear to move through the pain, mm-hmm. every the frozen, right? Trapped in my intellectual thought process, trapped in living by default. And the greater version of me wanted to emerge. Mm-hmm. The one that was gonna just jump through the damn thing and do whatever it took. If there was an objective to be accomplished, that version of me was the me that needed to come out in those moments. Like that's the thing that's the thing that I had been fighting to get out of me this whole time. Yeah. To have that version of me be the person as opposed to the one that's frozen. And then, and the thing is, is that I didn't care, like the, what, like the fear of the possums was irrelevant to me. Mm-hmm. It was irrelevant. Yeah, I was gonna get scarred or scratched or whatever. I needed to save the damn dog. That's the only thing that mattered. And so when, and so the thing is, is that I see that as, as being able to, to understand the power of commitment yeah. is that when you are committed to an objective, it doesn't matter if they're possums or they're fucking wolves. If that's your fucking child in a, in, a, in that space, you are going for it. Yeah. Nothing else matters, right? That is what matters. And I'm telling you, I was going to go in that thing head first, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so I realized that is that how many times in my life have I not been committed enough to sacrifice my life for what it is that I wanted to achieve? Yeah. How many times have the two possums made me think, oh, well, you know what? If that dog just dies, I need to, we're just going to go get another dog. But I got things to, I have a few, there's a, a few things that are going on simultaneously. I need to make sure, I need to save this dog. I need to be a representation for him so that whenever there is fear that he doesn't get frozen, that he sees the embodiment of that in me. Mm-hmm. That when, when times get rough, when times get tough, when anything is threatening me, that I will accomplish the objective and I will be the embodiment of that practice. Is I know he's watching me. 
-hmm. And there's something to save is that nothing else matters. Like that, that is, that is what it takes to transform your fucking life. Yeah. Is that I need to care about that dog the same way I need to care about me. Mm. I need to care about me so deeply and so truly that I will go through whatever it takes to be able to transform my life. Mm -hmm. And I will be the embodiment of it so that that kid can do the same damn thing when he gets older. Like that's what it takes. Yeah. That was the genesis moment that re that physical realization of everything i had gone through in terms of creating the my physical transformation my personal development transformation that that has occurred in my like that is the manifestation of it mm -hmm. that is it yeah that's beautiful i mean like what a mirroring situation for you to experience you know mm. yeah and I think that being the micro of the macro of the picture in that, how do you create this for your own life? Something for me that was really missing up until the last couple of years was like, okay, I was down to commit, but I had no idea what I was committing to. Mm. Like, I didn't know the path. I didn't know what it was that I wanted to be fighting for. Mm -hmm. And I think that commitment is so damn powerful. And when it's aligned, it's like, that's the game changer is when okay. you know, and it's like so deep within you. Like I've never felt the way that I've been like this work, for example, like I know there's no doubt in my mind, I will never go back to a quote, normal job ever again. I just know never. that. I know that like intuitively. And that's not like a, I don't want to work a nine to five. That's like, no, that's not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. And to your point, there was a while there where I was just kind of like dicking around, like I'll put some stuff on social media and try to spread the good word. And I wasn't committed to it. I wasn't mm -hmm. willing to be seen. I wasn't willing to take the hits of the ladder and the possums and the like, everybody get out of the way. We're going to make sure this happens. The commitment component of it wasn't there. And I think that was also a component of lack of clarity around what it is you're here for, what it is you're fighting for and how to center and align around that is, is the key also. Can I, can I offer one thing to that? Please. Um, so that clarity, right? Like when I hear the word, like finding clarity mm -hmm. in that, like what to be committed to, mm -hmm. I hear a process of here, like sometimes here to here, right? So I think about what I'm clear on and then I act on it, right? Yeah. I, we operate like the universe is cyclical. It's a cyclical thing is that our our mind sends signals to our body mm -hmm. and our body sends signals to our mind, mm -hmm. right? So that means that I can think of something and then my body will act on it. And sometimes I can physically do something and then it'll signal signal to my mind that it's actually a beneficial thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the the best thing that we can do is move. Yes. Because you're the, because the central because the universal intelligence is working either way. We always give credit to up here, but it's the whole damn thing. Yeah. This is your brain. This is your this is your ultimate power. This is your empire. There is nothing else. Mm -hmm. Right? This is it. This. This is the thing that you are building. 
Yeah. Right. This is the thing that when I get this whole thing in alignment and it's all like nice and yummy and just the whole it's just like this whole thing. Man, now we can now I'm building something. Now I'm in this mode, you know? Yeah. Like that's the that that's the place that we want to be in with full alignment, clarity, connection, purpose, mm -hmm. driven, moving. Yeah. And then it all. Well, not always, but it flows so much easier once you're living from that space. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. 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 That was the, the, that realization was the start of what, of what we did to create our, like our, our relationship and everything changed once we did the empire method. Mm. My life, our relationship, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the empire method and, um, how the, lifestyle component and transformation of it comes forward because I know from hearing Katie talk about it a little bit and seeing um, all the good stuff that you guys put out on social too around what it is, how it shapes the huge, if I'm understanding correctly, a huge part of it is that commitment level. Like some of this stuff is feels super simple, super low hanging fruit. Like, Oh yeah, of course I can do that every day. And it's like, no, really can you do it every day is the big face off. Um, mm -hmm. So I want you to talk about that and, and, and I've got some more questions, but I'll let you start there. <laughs> Please. Yeah. yeah. Um, so once we got into a state of awareness, <clears throat> um, of awareness <laughs> of like the idea that, um, that there was some, some growth that we could accomplish, not only on a, um, intellectual personal growth mindset, personal development growth mindset, mm -hmm. um, level, um, but also on a physical level, it was like, okay, well, you know, I've always been a relatively muscular guy, but I was carrying, and most guys carry their weight, you know, I was carrying it in my face and in my belly, mm -hmm. right? So I was carrying about 45 extra pounds, 40 to 45 extra pounds. My heaviest weight was about 298, um, 6'8", but, um, but 298 was about my heaviest weight. And, um, and one day I came, we started this journey on August 18th of last year, August 17th of last year, 2019. And, um, and so, uh, two weeks before that I went to Katie and I was like, yo, I'm giving up sugar. Right. I don't know. I was like, yo, I need to transform. I need to change something. And then Katie, and then two weeks later on August 16th or something, she was like, you know, I have this idea if we follow these protocols that, you know, like, um, it'll help us to really, um, start to get in the process of, um, not you know, eating better, um, being on top of our exercise on a daily basis and then growing ourselves in that way. Right. Like, like moving, not just thinking about it, but moving, mm -hmm. right. Not just Tony Robbins, you know, a growth mindset, but the physical component as well. Yeah. And so then we started on a process where the very first thing that we had to do was we had a conversation about it. I said, her and I had a conversation about it. We looked at each other in the eyes and then we said, do you agree to do this? I said, yes. He said, do you agree to do this? I said, yes. So we agreed and we committed to each other, right? That was our first uh, quasi marriage, so to speak. <laughs> so we got, so we agreed. We set out the next day to, um, to really fall into a few different areas, but we wanted to, to, we, we, to execute a set of about four to five core daily protocols every day, mm. right? They incorporated, um, and, and this is another important aspect of it. Um, this was about choice, purely about choice. 
So a lot of people follow diets and then they go, you know, I got to get rid of this and I got to do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 you are choosing. Mm -hmm. right? You are choosing in this. You are choosing in on all of this stuff. So we got into a process and we said, hey, you know what? I'm going to choose to drink a gallon of water every day, right? Um, the amazing benefits of water are exponential. But the first thing, the first benefit of water that comes into realization is that we don't drink enough of it, mm -hmm. right? And, and water is an amazing and powerful appetite suppressant. And through this process, not only is an appetite suppressant, but what it does is it actually gets you to a point where if you drink enough of it on a daily basis, that your, your uh, dependency to certain types of sugary drinks starts to slowly dissipate. Mm. Because the only thing that you're concerned about is drinking the water that you're supposed to drink, right? Um, so that becomes a really powerful incorporation in it. So it was drinking um, water. Uh, I got rid of coffee. I got rid of everything. Every diet soda. I wasn't drinking a lot of sugary drinks, but I was drinking diet sodas. So I got rid of diet soda, got rid of water. So drink a gallon of water every day. Um, the second thing was that you have to work out for um, 90 minutes every single day. 90 minutes. It was like, damn, that's a lot of time. Yeah. Right? Where am I going to find the time for that? I'm sure you guys hear that all the time. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Where am I going to find the time to work on 90 minutes a day? And then I told some people, I said, download this app on your phone called Your Hour, right? Your Hour. Or um, download the app on your phone, Your Hour, or uh, um, on Apple phones, this is an Android phone. So, or on Apple phones, there's a system monitor. So basically it'll tell you how much time you spend on your phone. Oh, yes. And each app. No excuses. Right? You tell me you ain't got time, right? <laughs> and then the other thing is, here's the other thing, is that if you're, if you are in the mental idea, and I'm sure you experienced this with your clients, if you're in the process of trying to build something of value, right? To take, I mean, your empire is essentially your power, right? Mm -hmm. You are trying to take your control, your power back in your life, not living by default, living by design. So this is about the power method, the method of taking back your power, the steps to being able to do it, to then approach personal development on an emotional, mental level and on a physical level as well. Mm -hmm. so, the, the, so the thing is, is that, um, so that, so we go, okay, well, if you don't have 90 minutes to work out, do you have 90 minutes to develop your business? Do you have 90 minutes to cultivate a relationship? Do you have not any of those different things? Right. So then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, man, I'm not even giving myself time to even develop myself mm -hmm. because I'm giving my time away to everyone else that requests it, as opposed to pulling it in for me so I can build the thing that I know I need to build, taking back my power. Right. So there's a water component. There's an exercise component. And then um, there's an eating component. So in this diet, you can eat whatever you want. <laughs> eat whatever you want. You are choosing to remove the following. Yep. Grains, alcohol, sugar, and dairy. Mm. You are choosing to remove those, right? So they go, oh, you know, I don't like people who, I've heard this. Uh, I don't like people who control control me. Right. I don't like who, people who control me, control my diet, control what I eat, control all that kind of stuff like that. I'm like, yo, you've been living like I've been living by default. You've been living by default for a really long period of time. I was like, how long? I was like, do you go to work? The person said, yes. I said, um, when do you take your lunch? They said, oh, I take it at noon. I said, can you take it at 11? They said, no. I said, why? I said, because the job says that I can take my lunch from 12 to one. I said, OK. I said, so who's choosing when you go to lunch? Right. Who's choosing what happens when you come home? So the idea is that if we don't choose for ourselves, someone else will choose for us. Mm -hmm.
right? So if we don't take the time and the opportunity to choose, then someone else will. Well, and it's a funny game of, to your point of like, you're not not allowed to eat these foods. You're choosing not to eat them. The same way like that so-and-so tells me to take lunch from 12 to noon. You're still choosing to take the lunch from 12 to noon. Absolutely. You're choosing that based on the consequences if you didn't. Absolutely. So it's all a choice. No one's controlling you ever. Yeah. Right. Like that's the shit that you're living by default mind is buying into. You're just, right. you're just like buying into whatever you think people are controlling you. You're just saying, okay. <laughs> right. You know okay. What I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> and so I love that you bring that up and of, of it all being a choice game. And one of the things that Katie has really helped me on, sorry to interrupt you. I'm going to go off no, on this for a second and then we can come oh, back. Please. But the, Preach the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you guys set a time for um, moving your body. And I mm. love that. And Katie's big on preaching this too. Like moving your body could mean a 90 minute walk. Yes. And, yes. and for myself, I got to a really unhealthy place based on what I was consuming from the external world around what having a good workout meant. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people do. Yeah. And like constantly looking at my watch to tell me how good my workout was instead of just listening to what my fucking body was telling me felt good or didn't feel good of like, absolutely. Oh, we don't have enough calories. Like we better push really hard for the next 30 minutes. It's all we have left at the gym. And then if we don't reach, you know, 1200 calories, this wasn't even worth it working out. And for me, I was so tied to the metrics on everything. Mm. Um, Which is why I think, well, yeah, I'll let you talk about that, but the scale, the number on this, like get on the scale every single day. And Mm -hmm. if it's 0.1 up or 0.1 down, that's dictating the way I live. And it's dictating the way I feel about myself Mm -hmm. as opposed to checking in, feeling how you feel and -hmm. letting that be. And obviously that's so much easier said than done as I'm experiencing the last little while um, of totally disconnecting. Like I don't use my Apple watch anymore. I have totally surrendered um, with Katie's support of this idea of needing a workout to look a certain way Uh and to be a certain thing. And that took, I just posted about this the other day, that took a lot of um, surrender, but also a lot of Uh self-trust of knowing like, okay, if I just listen to my body, instead of beating down on myself so hard, the results will still come. Yes. 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 They will still come. Yeah. Yes. That Emma, that is, that is, that is it. That is it. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you were talking about the, um, the numbers, like, um, um, everyone has a different relationship with things, right? I got a Fitbit on, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have different relationships with things. So this is, so the idea is not like, um, I, somebody in the program said, um, they said, uh, you know, I said, what's your goal? One of the one of your goals in the program on a, on the fitness component. It said to lose 40 pounds. I said, OK. I said, if you don't lose 40 pounds, are you going to destroy yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, yeah. And I said, then it's not a good goal. Right. If you if we don't have the relationship with it, remove it. Right. That's it. 
if I don't, some people go, oh, well, I can easily go to websites and stuff like that, like ESPN and see it. And I'm cool with it. It's not a big deal to me. I said, fine. For me, it's a big deal. It's an emotional response. Remove it. Yeah. Get rid of it for, for the period of time that it's not effective for you. So then you can reapproach it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the whole point. So the, the idea is that by choosing into the, the diet component, you can choose whatever diet you want. Paleo, vegan. You know, right now I'm vegan. We started off paleo. Um, and what you can choose into whatever diet you want. Um, but the idea is that um, you are also choosing to remove grains and gluten, right? So the, the protocol, we have two protocols, protocol A, protocol B, but like one of them is, is gluten. So basically you can still eat grains, just no gluten. The other one is removal of all grains. And one of the reasons why is because by getting rid of certain types of things, by choosing not to eat certain types of things, what it does is it opens you to see how your body responds to it. Hmm. Because then you go, oh, maybe it was this. And a lot of people don't get tested for allergies and tested for, you know, for those types of things. So grains and gluten, let's remove it, right? Um, and, you know, and either if, depending on the protocol. Um, uh, a, alcohol. Come on. It's alcohol, right? So <laughs> alcohol uh, takes us out of a mental state and it also has sugar in it and there's all those types of stuff associated with it, right? So let's remove alcohol. Then added sugar. Sugar is the devil. Sugar is the, we in church, sugar is the devil. I'm not even religious like that. But the point <laughs> is, is that we, Katie and I went to the um, African-American History Museum in D.C. I'm from D.C. We went to the African-American History Museum. Did you know that the transatlantic slave trade was started on one thing? Sugar. Mm. The commoditization of sugar. And, and to whatever degree, we're still addicted to it. They put sugar in everything. It's in everything. Yeah. So now you got sugar and everything. You got all these different types. So now, so grains, out, grains, and, or, grains and or gluten, uh, alcohol, sugar and dairy. Um, Mark Hyman, famed, uh, you know, um, uh, nutritionist. Um, he, 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 if you saw Red Table Talk with the um, Smith family, mm -hmm. have you seen that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was talking. Did you see the one with him on? I didn't. Okay, you should watch okay. it. So he, he was talking about, he did an um, analyzation of all their nutritional eating habits. And one of the things he shared with everyone is that 75% of all human beings on the planet face of earth are lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. I believe right? that, easy. Right, yeah. so now we got all these things that are not necessarily great components of our diet. We're choosing to remove, we're choosing to remove those for a finite period of time to see how our body responds as a result of consistent movement to be able to remove those things and, and, and choosing into a diet where we actually get to eat on, on uh, intentionally. Yeah. So, uh, so we're doing all those different things. So the, those are the, like some of the core components of the protocols and Another one is reading every day. And so there's all these different components of developing relationships, like all this stuff in those eight components of the, that we developed into eight components. And the thing that started to happen as a result of much of what you said, you said, you know what? I, I just needed to feel into it. Mm -hmm. I just needed to stay committed to it. Do you understand that when I logged into my Fitbit app, I had that goal from my previous, um, I told you I, I was about as heavy as 295, 298. My goal from my previous journey with a Fitbit a couple of years ago was 280. Mm. At the present moment, I weigh 252 pounds. Mm -hmm. I've, as a guy, right? Guys, guy, whatever you want to call it. It's like, I didn't even realize how much that was affecting the way that I was moving in the world. Yeah, I didn't even want to admit it, right? The mask, all that stuff, the identity associated, I didn't even admit it. And now I feel fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
I feel fantastic. So I've I have a physical result as a by, by virtue of my commitment. So the thing is, is that the the thing that I have built, this isn't a weight loss program. Yeah. This is not a nutritional program. The idea is, is that if you can actually commit to yourself and choose you over everything else and start to choose to design your life, all of a sudden, everything else becomes possible. And I'll tell you another thing. My relationship with Katie was developed because once I realized I didn't have to push and crush myself in a workout, right, which I used to do, I've torn my bicep three times and we just went for walks. Katie, Elijah and myself are now spending quality time together. Mm -hmm. We use walks to build to build ourselves and our relationship. So now this is a relationship component, yeah. right? So now I'm getting, having a better, so now we're improving the quality of our relationship. We're improving the relationship. I'm improving myself physically. Katie is improving herself. And all of a sudden, all the choices that we're making, and I'll end on this note, is that one day I was um, talking about how, um, there's a quote by Francis of Assisi. He says, uh, he says, preach the gospel and when necessary, speak. Oh yeah, I love that so much. Right. Meaning that you need to be the embodiment of what it is that you want to teach. I said, you know what? I said, if I don't teach Elijah nothing, if I don't teach him nothing, at least I'm teaching him how to have healthy eating habits. Elijah is Katie's eight-year-old son. So then she says, did you see that? I said, see what? He came into the room and he said, I'm going to finish drinking this entire bottle of water. All of a sudden, by virtue of us embodying the practices it's translating to the next generation, mm -hmm. to her son. Yeah. So now I'm not just, this isn't like a diet. It's not like a fitness thing. It's not, this is an opportunity to transform your existence on this planet. Yeah. Deep. Deep. It's been powerful. Yeah, that's so powerful. And so yummy, really, too. Like the, and I know Elijah has said too, like, hey, are we going on our walk today? I mean, just seeing yes. the yeah. seeing the trickle effect, I think generation to generation is huge because so much of this stuff, whether you want to believe it or not, is passed down generationally, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't just mean like the lifestyle. I mean, your belief systems and the traumas yeah. and all the shit that you're carrying. That's a yeah. generational thing. But I, I love that you bring up how this particular lifestyle transformation shows up in every aspect of your life, like the relationships and the quality time and da, 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 all of this stuff is shifting. And I think that's for me, that's the equation of like having the alignment, being able to get quiet, get centered, and then piecing that with the surrender and self-trust around like, okay. Cause the stories that I was telling, the stories that I was telling myself is, oh shit, what will happen if I'm not super strict and paying attention? Hmm. And the truth is that I'm learning and still leaning into is when you have that alignment, when you just listen to your body of like, does this food feel good inside of me or not feel good inside of me? Like mm -hmm. we don't always sit back and pay attention to what that experience is. Everything else starts to fall into place. But it takes that alignment, it takes mm. that getting quiet, it takes that surrender, that self-trust so that you're able to experience, oh, damn, this walk, this is like quality time with my family. This isn't just moving my body. Like all of this other stuff comes into play. And I was just talking with somebody earlier today about like baseline of it all is so simple. Mm -hmm. Like get quiet, block the shit out that's not actually yours, 
-hmm. get centered, take a couple deep breaths and then choose from there. Like for me, that's where the yum is. And it's so much easier said than done. And I think that's why this life by design is so huge because we're not constantly sitting here thinking like, Oh, coming back to center, coming back to center, like in a perfect world, that would be amazing to just always live Mm -hmm. in center. And the truth is we're human beings and that's not going to be the case all the time. Absolutely. I'll I'll add that as you were talking about, we're human beings and we don't always come back to center. There's one really important component of the program, especially the the group coaching program that we run is um, when you do not, the goal is to execute this over the course of the program that we've been able, we've been able to structure in a way where you can achieve that, that, that level of transformation we've been doing it ever since but the point is, is that like you can achieve that level of transformation over a 60-day period mm. we, we run it as a 90-day program because 60 days you do the program and then nine, the last 30 days is about integration like integrating it into your lifestyle yeah. and it's seeing how that, that that works but the idea is is that if you can achieve a, a massive result and we got people going through the programs who you know losing tons of weight i got somebody in the program who don't have a, a single pound to lose mm-hmm. Not a single pound to lose, but transform their relationship with food, transform their relationship with commitment, their integrity level with themselves. Because if you don't execute all the protocols every day, then what happens is, is that number one, you start over. Number two, the goal is to get that that number of days in a row. But the second thing you have to do is you have to confess to the person that enrolled you in the program. And for me, that gets me in integrity with the human being. It gets me out of my, my head and into the space of honoring my commitment to myself. Yeah. And and that's almost the piece of like, uh, I can't remember who, was it Les Brown? You said who had the quote about like borrowing my belief in, in you until you can find it in yourself. And I, sure. that's paraphrasing, but um, I think that commitment building is important. Like for me, having the accountability of somebody, like I get so much more worked up about, am I going to let somebody else down than letting my own self down? First of all, that's really fucked up to be wired in that way, but most of us are (laughs) wired that way. And it's like the internal dialogue that happens. It's almost the same idea of like, borrow my belief until you believe it yourself. It's like, borrow me as your accountability and commitment partner until you can instill that deeply in yourself, until you can go after those two possums that are attacking Lola without freezing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That That's exactly it. Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't just trying to save her. I was trying to, to save him. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm in between and I'm like, you know, I, I want to live at this level where I am, I am integrated and I am, and I, and I know, and then we talked about it, Elijah, not, you know, it's funny after that whole incident happened, I, um, I said, we're not going to be afraid. So I, I said, we're going to go back outside. Mm. I said, so I, he was like, no, I'm not going. I was like, no, we're going outside. Mm-hmm. I was like, we are not going to be, we are not going to live in fear. And so I picked him up and then we walked outside and I was like, I was like, this is the way, I was like, we are not going to live afraid of, of animals or problems or situations ever again. I was like, we're going to move through these things. So yes. let's move through them. Let's do that. So, mm. um, you know, so, it, and the idea is, is that, uh, is that, I want people to be able to receive and to achieve the transformation that we want. Sometimes you just got to believe in somebody else's belief in you, you know, until you're ready. And that, and, and I genuinely have this belief that everybody can achieve a transformation. Like if I can go from like, you know, doing national TV to literally hitting the bottom of rock bottom to then rebuilding myself in this space, like anybody can do it, you know? You know, so, um, I, I, I hold space for 
for any human being that is about transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, tell us how people can get involved with you, how they can follow you, how can they how can they join the Empire Method if they want to do that? What what is up? How can people connect? Uh, you can hit me on Facebook, Sanyika the Firestarter Street. Um, or you can message me on uh, Instagram at, at Firestarter Live. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll, Absolutely. I'll drop all of your info down below here so people can just click easy access links because we're all we all like some instant gratification being human yeah, beings, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I'll send you a couple of I'll send you a couple of the um, storytelling campaigns that we do like yes. uh like Thank you for your service and teddy bear campaign because that's another component. But uh, yes, you know. oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't get into the teddy bear campaign because that's got a big spot in my heart. But I'll drop I'll drop all the info for both of those down below, um, and and get some of that spread too because that's some that's some deep stuff. Good work there too. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank I love you. it. Well, thank you so much for jamming with me for a little while today. This was so so good, so yummy. You are such an awesome human being and i'm so grateful to have you in my sphere i appreciate that i very very much appreciate you and how you show up in your ever everlasting love and support um just thank you for for inviting me again into the into the circle firestarter and uh and just um connecting in a really authentic place i appreciate that yeah yeah i love it yeah all right Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode of Living in the Yum podcast, please take just a minute and show it some love by subscribing, rating, and leaving a comment. This helps us to continue spreading the yum and changing lives across the globe. Speaking of, I work with clients in one-on-one settings around the world, and I'm so, so excited to announce to you my new 90-day one-on-one container, the Body Soul Lution. If you know that you are feeling called and ready to really up-level your life, to shift your experience with your body and soul connection, drop me a DM at Emma M. Garrison on Instagram. I do have limited spaces available so that I can maintain the depth with my clients, but I would love to hear from you if this sparks. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to be here today with me. I so appreciate and value that. And I'm sending you so much love, so much light, and so much yum. I'll talk to you soon.